0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investment, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I support a growing community of top climate and ESG leaders as the Chief Experience Officer at Wealth and I'm an advisor to the climate practice at IDEO. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and when it comes to climate action, I know I'll be a lifelong learner, always looking to have more impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Sign up for updates and suggest ideas for future episodes at investedinclimate.com. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for joining.
1: It's the most used pigment in the world. It's everywhere. You know, it's coloring the keys on my keyboard. It's on my clothes, on your clothes. It's in paint, it's on food packaging, on cars, steering wheels, it's everywhere. And the problem with it is that it's made by literally combusting fossil fuels. So they light the fossil fuels on fire and they collect the soot and that becomes the pigment.
0: Hi everyone, decarbonization requires not only eliminating fossil fuels as a main source of energy, but also replacing them as key ingredients and objects we use every day. If you want a crash course on just how much our material world depends on fossil fuels, check out the book, How the World Really Works by Vaclav Smil. It's a fascinating, though sobering read and one of Bill Gates' favorite books. Today's episode focuses on pigments, a great example of fossil fuels hiding in plain sight. Take a look around you right now. See any objects that are black in color? Replacing the petroleum in the black pigment used in millions of objects with a carbon-negative material is the focus of an innovative startup called Nature Coatings. Today we're joined by Nature Coatings founder and CEO Jane Palmer and one of her investors, Dan Fishman, a general partner at Regeneration VC. I love this conversation as it really pushed my thinking about the work needed to truly transition from fossil fuels and the enormous opportunities for innovators who can lead the charge. Enjoy. Jane and Dan, welcome to the podcast.
2: Great to have you here today. Thank you, Jason. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much.
2: Where do I have both of you dialing in from? Currently, I'm in New York City. I live in Los Angeles, but I happen to be in New York for the week. All right. What about you, Jane?
1: I'm coming in from Las Vegas today.
0: All right. Great. Well, hopefully enjoying summer and maybe not too hot in Vegas yet, but great to have you both here. We've got a lot to talk about, and so would love to dive in. Let's just start with some quick introductions. Dan, will you kick us off? Tell us about your firm, Regeneration, and how you came to work on climate.
2: Sure. Again, thank you very much. So regeneration.vc is an early stage venture fund. We focus on investing into the founding teams that are using climate tech, circular innovation to reimagine consumer industries. So to unpack that a little bit, we invest along three verticals. We invest in design, which are the inputs, the fabrics, the dyes, packaging, ag tech, aquaculture. We invest into use which are brands that are using circular economy innovation as a showroom for material science and creating competitive modes and IP protection around it. And then we invest into reuse, re-commerce, reverse logistics, upcycling, what happens to something when you're done using it, trying to keep that into the production supply chain ecosystem. How I got into the climate investing space, I'm a long-time brand, operator, investor, started off in apparel lifestyle, women's contemporary, celebrity brands, moved my way over into food and beverage. And through being in those two industries, I just saw what was happening and how there was no producer responsibility, how the continual cycle of just making more, making more, selling more, and and not really thinking about anything else just created a lot of Damage, I guess is the best way of saying it. So when I had the opportunity to kind of take stock in what I was doing and where I wanted to put my time and my capital, health, wellness, and environment is what spoke to me. And it's not just a passion. It's not just a hobby. It's kind of my life. Fortunately, today's founders and Gen Z in particular, this is what they gravitate towards. This is the greatest challenge that they are facing. And it's the number one challenge that they want to solve. So, it just dovetailed nicely into my beliefs and where I wanted to put my time.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Dan. And really love the framework around design, use, and reuse. Jane, what about you? You are the founder of a company called Nature Coatings. Will you tell us a bit about your background and how it led to founding the company?
1: Yeah, sure. So, thank you too. Really happy to be here. My background is in dyes and pigments, I've been in dyes and pigments for About 20 years and particularly in the textile space. I also went to college and have a master's degree in textiles. And my mom happens to be a weaver or was a weaver when I was growing up. So it's very much in my blood and my DNA to be very passionate in this space. I'm also a serial entrepreneur, similar to Dan. And the business I had before this one was a dye house. Based in Los Angeles. We were using only existing plant and insect based dyes that were on the market, and they've been around for literally thousands of years. And they're very romantic. They were found in King Tut's tomb, the Mayans use them, the Navajo. I was researching recipes from the Middle Ages (laughs) to get the color black. While they're very romantic, those types of dyes don't have the performance needed for today's world they fade really quickly they're super expensive they use lots of water and essentially i saw an opportunity really i saw that there is demand for something non-petroleum based something safer in the textile industry but that i really needed to design something better
0: you know, that dyes are petroleum based is probably a surprise for many of our listeners as it was for me. I'm surrounded by objects all the time and never really think about how they get to be the color that they are. So maybe it's an opportunity for you to tell us more about really the problem that you're working to solve. And I know that you're focused on a dye called carbon black, something we interact with every day. Tell us about carbon black and why it's a problem.
1: You're exactly right. The first product that Nature Coatings has developed is an alternative to Carbon Black. And the reason why we focused on carbon black is because it's the most used pigment in the world. It's everywhere. You know, it's coloring the keys on my keyboard, it's on my clothes, on your clothes, it's in paint, it's on food packaging, on cars, steering wheels. It's everywhere. And the problem with it is that it's made by literally combusting fossil fuels. So they light the fossil fuels on fire, and they collect the soot, and that becomes the pigment. And the problem with that (laughs) is, one, fossil fuel combustion releases way more CO2 than pigment is created. And additionally, that combustion process creates carcinogens on the pigment itself, like benzene. That's the one that people have heard of probably. And those benzenes and carcinogens are getting more regulated, particularly in Europe, and also through Prop 65 in California. But it's also just disgusting. I mean, it's something we're touching every day. And I just feel so strongly that there's something safer and better, which is why we started tackling that one first.
0: Great. Well, tell us about the solution. Nature Coding has a product. Tell us how it's made and how it compares to Carbon Black.
1: Like I said, our flagship product is called Bio Black. It's a direct replacement for petroleum-based Carbon Black. And instead of using petroleum as a feedstock, we're using wood waste. And all of our wood waste Is fully traceable and sustainable. It's FSC certified, and that means Forest Stewardship Council. So it's coming from sustainably managed sources, and we're using the waste from the paper industry, the lumber industry, pencils. (laughs) It's the waste of the waste of the waste. Essentially, 50 million tons of wood waste is created every year in the U.S. alone, So it's in huge abundance, and right now, companies are burning that wood waste and landfilling the ash. So we're able to use it as a really clean and traceable feedstock for our product, and essentially, the wood waste goes into a closed-loop manufacturing process, and the entire process Emits negligible amounts of CO2. In fact, BioBlack has a net negative carbon footprint, which we're very excited about. And I think, even as important, our product does not contain any detected carcinogens. So we've created something that's super easy to use. It's a direct replacement, it's as simple as grabbing our pigment off the shelf versus the carbon black. Yet it contains all the environmental and health benefits.
0: Thanks, Jane. And from an environmental standpoint, you've described why carbon black is so problematic, but I'm curious how problematic it is. Obviously, there's a lot of black objects all around us, but in terms of emissions or amounts of pollution or amounts of risk, what can you tell us about the scale of the problem?
1: For every kilo of carbon black made, 3.23 kilos of co2 is produced so triple the amount of co2 is produced per kilo of pigment and millions of tons of this pigment are made every year
0: wow and you're able to go to a negative carbon process incredible
1: yes yeah yeah we're really excited about that we just received our lca and have all the data behind it it's very important for us not to greenwash so we have full traceability we have all these different types of certifications and LCAs and just data to really verify our product.
0: How is it you're able to produce BioBlack as a carbon-negative product? The product that
1: we sell to the market is a water-based concentrate with our pigment inside, and that is called a dispersion. And that dispersion is also carbon-negative. So That is a huge feat for us because that dispersion requires energy use to make it, different types of ingredients. And I can also mention that that dispersion is also 100% bio-based. There's no petroleum inputs in it at all, which we think is very remarkable (laughs) internally. So to have it be both 100% bio-based and carbon negative is Amazing to us. And the way that's achieved is by a blend of using renewable energy to make our product, and then also by selecting inputs that become carbon sinks. So they can absorb CO2. So, for example, with wood, when there's wood waste, a branch or bark or sawdust or whatever it is, the CO2 in the wood starts to release. Through our manufacturing process, we're able to absorb all that CO2 into the pigment itself and store it there. So it becomes a carbon sink or a carbon storage, and that becomes part of the carbon negativity. And additionally, we've chosen other ingredients in our dispersion that have those same carbon sink characteristics. So it was a combination of selecting materials that have those types of properties using renewable energy and just a little bit of <laughs> some luck and a prayer really that just
0: really got us there. Thanks, Jane. Dan, let's bring you back in here. From an investor's lens, why is this an attractive business?
2: We have we've really gone deep into the dye space at regeneration. And so what we found is that carbon black, as Jane was saying, is, is everywhere. It's a growing business. It's a growing space. It's forecast to do $23 billion of sales. The carbon black market is estimated to be at $23 billion by 2030, growing 10% a year. There's certainly some supply shortages because a good portion of where people get their carbon black from is out of Russia and China. So it's a space that we've had our eye on trying to find the right replacement for what is truly a carcinogenic input. We've been researching this for a while, and frankly, everything we looked at did not check our boxes from a business standpoint. Either the coloring was off, the pricing was exponentially higher, the inputs that the replacements were coming from were not marketable. We saw one that was made from human waste. So obviously, not necessarily a marketer's dream there. And some other ones weren't even bio-based. They were recycling something else to create a recycled carbon black, which was still carcinogenic and had the same inputs. It would have checked the reuse box, but wouldn't check the other boxes as Nature Coatings does. We've been looking at this for a while. Jane came into our ecosystem through. Jane has an advisor, Christine, that we've known for a while. She introduced us to Jane and Nature Coatings, And as we dove into diligence it started to check all of our boxes obviously from jane as a founder on down to the product on down to talking to customers both at the dye houses and on the brand side and then we actually tested it out ourselves on some company sweatshirts and sweatpants that we use for a retreat and everything just clicked there it made sense for us to invest into the company and into jane
0: Awesome. Well, recycled wood, very clearly, much more marketable than human waste. And we'll save that one for another podcast. I'm sure that's an interesting story. Kind of curious what they're doing with that business. But let's talk about nature coatings. And Dan, really curious what you see as the company's biggest priorities right now.
2: Look, this is a seed stage business with Jane steering the ship in a real strong direction. But at the end of the day, we need to free up Jane to really do what she does best. Which is be an industry leader, continue to innovate. We need to free up her time and really bring on some strong C-suite members to work with her. That being in sales and operations, building out the executive team—that's kind of a priority. There is so much inbound demand for the BioBlack product. It's about cataloging, ascertaining what's low-hanging fruit from a sales side, and. It, Again, bringing in the right people to be able to scale this business efficiently and quickly.
0: Thanks, Dan. Jane, let's hear your take on it. Tell us about the company's traction. Who are your customers and what sorts of companies are you looking to reach and how's it going?
1: As I mentioned before, my background is in textiles. So even though the textile supply chain is immensely complicated, I know it really well. So that was a low hanging fruit for us. It's been great. Our first adopter was Balenciaga in 2020. And since then, many of the caring group brands have adopted us. We've also been working with Levi's. We just had a big collection come out with their Wealth line this spring and summer, and it's going to continue into the fall. We're also part of their 150th anniversary 501s, which is super exciting for us. We've been working with many European brands and other brands too, so... I feel like we have some really great traction in the textile market. The nice thing about our product is that it's universal. So we made it so that the pigment itself is suspended in a water based concentrate, basically. And that concentrate can be used across any application where water based formulations are being used. So that can be for package printing, paint, automotive pretty much endless applications. So we're really looking to expand into those types of markets because again, our product, we've just designed it to be really adoptable. It's cost competitive and uses the same equipment at the factories. There's no required CapEx from anyone to use it. It's a direct replacement. So we're really excited to be getting into these other industries.
0: So of our listeners, who do you want to hear from? It sounds like you have a steady flow of inbound leads. What sorts of companies should reach out to you?
1: I would love to hear from packaging and paint companies.
0: Okay, fantastic. Beyond Carbon Black, I'm curious what you envision for Nature Coatings. And let's hear from both of you. Dan, as an investor, I'm sure you're thinking about scalability and the large addressable market that it has for the future. Tell us about the future that you envision for for the company.
2: Look, what is it? Something like 228 million tons of CO2 is coming from the carbon black space. If Jane continues down the path of growth, it's a blank space, whether it's textile, automotive, inkjet, paint, the idea of replacing this. Really, I mean, you can Google carbon black and you can just see and and it's like, whoa, what are we talking about here? To be able to be a drop-in replacement that Any industry can come to Jane and Nature Coatings and say, let's swap what we're doing for something that is a negative and take something really bad out and that is a carbon sink, carbon suck. There's an endless highway here for Jane to kind of go down. And and it's just, as I said, building the sales team, building the executive team, and just handling the business that's inbound. What's nice about this business is there's a very clear line of sight into scale here. And it's hey, we don't want to use what's bad. We want to use what's good. Let's switch. And again, drop in. You don't have to learn anything new. Drop it in, see how it works. Everything else is pretty much parity.
0: Fantastic. Jane, tell us about the long term. Is replacing carbon black a big enough opportunity for your company, or are you looking to grow in other ways?
1: Well, I think as Dan was saying, the carbon black road is endless. There are so many large carbon black companies out there that only focus on carbon black. And I think we could become that size with bio black. To me, that gets really exciting. Like what if we could become a billion dollar company (laughs) with bio black? And what would that mean for our planet and for our health, for rivers, for ecosystems, for everything? I get really excited about that. That being said, I love product development and I'm always thinking about Other waste streams, other renewable sources where we can find value. So I enjoy looking at those types of things too.
0: Well, I'm really curious beyond nature coatings and carbon black. I'd love to better understand the space that you're in. And I'm sure you have your finger on the pulse in many different ways. And just knowing that all the black color objects that we touch are likely made with carbon intensive materials makes me wonder about all the other objects around us and the chemicals in them. So Jane, I'm curious, beyond pigments, how much need is there to rethink the ingredients in everyday products?
1: I think there's a lot of need for it. It's amazing how so much in our daily lives is made from petroleum. It's in everything. It's in everything. I mean, it's in our food. It's preservatives in food. It's in, of course, color, colors. Almost all material science has some sort of petroleum or petroleum derivative component to it. And we need to decarbonize. I mean, as we all know, the world is on fire. There is need now. And I think what's so exciting is that there's so much innovation beyond what Nature Coatings is doing in all these material science areas, using renewable inputs, using recyclable inputs, whatever it is, it's a step forward. And I just think that Corporations who are making these products need to take a step forward. All advancement is iterative, right? I always sort of joke, but we didn't go from a stone wheel to a rocket ship. <laughs> there was a lot of things in between, and I think that the things innovators are working on, including nature coatings, we're taking steps in the right direction. And these things need to get adopted so they can be built upon. And then next generation things can come about. And it's a path. It's a path of many steps to get to where we need to go. But it's just a matter of taking that first step. I get really excited because so many innovators are working on that first step now, coming up with really, really cool solutions that help decarbonize and are much healthier for people and perform the same. I think that's just one last thing. I believe so strongly that we can live the lives how we've been living them without destroying our planet. We don't have to compromise performance cost to get what we want, if that makes sense. I just feel really strongly that we can get what we want, but we can do it better. We can make things that don't hurt our planet where we get the same performance.
0: It's really inspiring to see how BioBlack and Nature Coatings is providing one example of a way to get the same level of performance without hurting the planet. Are you seeing others in the space replace petroleum with more planet-friendly ingredients as well, and also still delivering the performance consumers expect? What else is inspiring to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are even potentially some contacts through Dan around packaging. There's some packaging that's being made from seaweed, I believe, so clear films from seaweed to replace poly bags for garments. I think that's really amazing. There's new kinds of alternative styrofoams made from mycelium and mushrooms. The mycelium space is really hot right now in terms of creating alternative leathers or alternative packaging materials. There's so much, there's so much happening.
0: Great. Thanks, Jane. Dan, I'll give you the closing words on this. From an investor's lens, what else do you see and what other opportunities are you excited
2: about in this space? The innovation that's coming out of the dye space, the textile space, the general circular economy space is truly incredible. We are seeing some amazing founders out there, some amazing businesses out there. I think our job as investors is to be disciplined. And it's hard because there is just a lot going on. And it's a great thing that so many people are interested in climate investing, especially with some of the broader economic or some of the broader investable spaces having a down year and climate really still having some tailwinds between regulation and kind of corporate mandates. So I expect the innovation to only continue and to just truly see, I want to say revolution, but certainly a movement that if you're not innovating from a brand point of view and from an industry point of view, you're going to get left behind, especially when it comes to consumers and who they choose to spend their discretionary dollars with.
0: A great point to end on. Dan, Jane, thank you so much for your time today and best of luck with your investments and with Nature Coatings.
2: Thank you, Jason. Appreciate the time.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, Get in touch and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.